Hey, hey, we're back on. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Sinus Problems McGee, and uh, today with me, I've got Mr. Dave Jones and Brent DeRitter. Howdy, y'all. How you doing, gentlemen? Doing all right. How are you? Oh, struggling. <laughs> well, y'all reached out and had said, uh, had talked a little bit about this Murphy Bur- <clears throat> Murfreesboro event. Uh I'll let y'all kind of take the reins on this one. I've seen a little bit, but I'll let y'all talk about it. Yeah, well, uh, probably first I'll go ahead and let uh, I'll talk about uh, Brent DeRitter a little bit. He's going to be coming out to Murfreesboro, Tennessee next weekend. He's going to be putting on a uh, class for us there in the area with uh, Cell Liberty. It's an organization that uh, he's involved with. Uh that we're super proud to be uh, getting him out here into Tennessee to kind of help us out. So I'll go ahead and kind of turn things over to Brent there so he can uh, talk about the uh, organization, uh, what they're going to be doing for us in Tennessee and how you can uh, help their organization out uh, to get Brent, uh, Brent here to Tennessee. So you can take it away, Brent. Sure. How y'all doing? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, my name's Brent. I'm a former LPNC chair, uh, chair of the Libertarian Party in North Carolina. Been a chair locally. I've done a lot of outreach here locally. Um, you might know me from um, some of the work that I've done with Spike Cohen and, and other you know, pretty well-known uh, activists. One of the things that I do is um, I, do, I do outreach and outreach training. Libertarians do not agree on a lot, but one of the things that we do agree on is that our messaging is bad. We don't agree on how to fix it, but we can recognize that it's not great, right? Um, We don't see the growth that we want, and we don't have the engagement that we want, and people aren't always interested in hearing what we have to say, um, as you can tell by, you know, the media blackouts when we have great candidates that are exciting and, and principled and people that we think should get a lot of traction and don't. Um... The reason that our our messaging, oh, sorry, somebody's knocking on the door there. The uh, the reason that our messaging is bad is is that libertarians. It's nothing that awful about us. Is that libertarians have a tendency to be very logical and coldly logical, and um, we focus on things from that perspective. We think about things from a very cerebral perspective. Um, and one of the things that we need to get better at is being empathetic and making our message uh, a little more empathetic toward people and what their needs are, what their wants are. Um, so that's what I do. I was a sales trainer professionally for uh, many years. I was a salesman and a sales trainer. I've sold everything from high-end stuff like uh, bank accounts and photography sessions and, and portrait packages, um, upselling at banks and, and working for retail banks, uh, all the way down to like knives. I've sold knives and that guy that stops uh, in the summertime and tells you his, his freezer on his meat truck broke down and he's got to sell this meat. That was me. I did that. Um, so I've done a lot of low level sales. I've done a lot of higher level sales and all of it is based on the same kind of principles, the same ideas. And, uh, it's just persuasive speaking and it's learning. Libertarians really need to learn how to talk in a way that other people can appreciate. We've got great ideas and we've got big ideas, but what people want are very small ideas, right? Small ideas in a small package. So what we have to learn how to do is chop those ideas up and put them into a small package 
So I won't go any further into it. Otherwise, uh, nobody will be interested in what I have to say on Friday. But on Friday of next week, we're doing um, Cell Liberty's first outreach training event. Cell Liberty is an organization that I founded. Um, that's hopefully my full-time job here very soon. Uh, I do put in full-time hours for the Liberty Movement, but I'm, I'm currently doing that on a volunteer basis. Uh, but we're doing some outreach training for Tennessee on Friday, and there will be a lot of virtual courses offered soon, and we'll be doing a lot of those in-person training courses too. So hopefully making, making libertarians a little bit better, helping them be a little bit better about their messaging, and we'll be doing some uh, printed materials too. I know libertarians have a tough time getting good quality printed materials, so we'll have those up on the website very, very soon. Just uh, keep an eye out. Like the page uh, on Facebook, at We Sell Liberty. And, um, you know, keep, keep an eye out and see what's coming up. That's it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we sure do appreciate you uh, coming out to Tennessee and volunteering your time to help us with this uh, event that we've got going on. Uh, Brent is uh, making his way out to Tennessee. You know, uh, he's paying his own way out here. So he's been trying to... Uh, you know, solicit some uh, uh, donations. Uh, where can they donate to you for your trip? And I believe you said also if there's any overages from your trip, you'd donate the overages to the event. Is that right, Brent? Yeah, that's the plan. And that's still that's still the plan if, if there are any overages. Right now, um, I'm coming out of pocket quite a bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. We're, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going out to do this training. Right now, I'm offering these training events for free. Uh, North Carolina is getting one in, a, in a, about a month. June 17th, no, June 18th, June 18th, they're having theirs. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to do the events, but uh, I, I do need some assistance getting there with, you know, food and lodging and, and travel. Um, if you'd like to help, you can get me on PayPal. Oh, all that stuff is on my phone. Am I going to mess you up? So, uh, so Brent's going to, looks like he's going to take a look at uh, some information for us to be able to donate. It's so awesome to have him out here. He's such a great resource for the Libertarian Party. His organization here is going to be a, a tremendous resource as we move forward with our, our messaging and our Libertarian ground games. So, you know, anybody in Tennessee or anybody outside of Tennessee that, you know, was looking to donate to help uh, Brent keep this rolling. I think he's got some information here on uh, where you can donate on a couple of different platforms. I do. I'm back. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Yeah. If you'll give me a couple of minutes, I'll pull that up. I don't have any of that memorized uh, yet, okay. but I will pull that up and get right back to you with it. Is that all right? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. But yeah, one thing that, that uh, we're going to be doing with this training uh, on Friday is uh, we're going to have this training and then the very next day on uh, May the 8th, uh, that Saturday in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, uh, we're going to start the day out, I think at 8 a.m. Uh, we're going to have an event where uh, Marcus Baker is going to cook up some uh, breakfast food, some eggs, I think some pancakes, things like that. Then uh, we're going to have some runners uh, running that food out to the uh, homeless and needy of the Murfreesboro-Rutherford County area. 
Uh, we're also going to have some uh, care packages that we're going to put together with uh, essential items uh, to give out to the uh, needy and the homeless of the uh, Rutherford County area. And all of these, uh, all of this was paid for through private donations from uh, donors around uh, the Southeast, uh, William Patton, uh, 3L Productions. I believe they donated donated $500 uh, to us for this event. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people donating a lot of money and time to this, but what we're going to do uh, right around noon in Murfreesboro is we are going to take what we learned, what Brent has taught us on the Friday night, and we're going to have a pound the pavement event there in Murfreesboro. Uh, he's going to be with us there to kind of guide us as we go on this uh, initial journey. Uh, we're going to break up probably into a couple of different groups. Uh, what we're kind of targeting is, I believe one group may end up going around the uh, Middle Tennessee State University campus, and then another group is probably going to, uh, we're going to pick some neighborhoods there in uh, Murfreesboro that are some of the uh, neighborhoods that a lot, that politicians and political parties usually do not go. Uh, we're going to go to some of the the more disenfranchised neighborhoods and uh, talk to them about libertarianism and uh, you know see we're going to be handing out uh, some materials so they can uh, know exactly who we are so we're going to take that training Friday I know Brent uh, last year had a lot of success in North Carolina with the uh, pound the pavement event kind of going on these uh, strategies that we're going to use in Tennessee uh, because we're, uh, the reason we're kind of targeting these neighborhoods is because of the success that Brent and uh, the LPNC had uh, last year in these Pound the Pavement events talking to people. Because a lot of times, you know, in these neighborhoods, you talk to these people and they know and can talk libertarianism a lot better than some of the seasoned libertarians that you've got in your groups because they live government overreach every single day, you know, and a lot of times they just might not be aware that there's a political vessel out there that uh, encapsulates a lot of those views. So uh, we're hoping to make this a really successful initial event. We're going to take a lot of the lessons learned uh, all the way from the planning stages into the execution, and we're going to document that. So if any other regions or counties around the uh, Libertarian Party of Tennessee want to uh, mimic this type of a, uh, event, uh, we can hand a uh, package over to them that kind of shows how to, uh, how to do these events all the way from the planning stages up until the execution. So it's really, it's really exciting. And... We're also, not only are we going to have uh, Brent DeRitter here uh, helping us, but we're also going to have his partner in crime from these events uh, early last year. We're going to have uh, Tasha Cohen's spouse, also known as uh, Spike Cohen, is going to be coming out for these events. Uh, so he's going to be walking the neighborhoods with us, pounding the pavement, knocking the doors, and helping us out. So that's going to be really exciting. Uh, we hope to see a lot of people out. We've heard a lot of interest from Everyone from uh, people in North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, maybe even uh, possibly people from Indiana who are interested in 
coming down uh, for this event. You know, it's going to be an exciting event, just getting getting outside of our echo chambers, going out, knocking doors, and talk, uh, selling liberty. Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned from the or something uh, from those events that you mentioned, we did a few in, in North Carolina, and we did have really good success. We find that with with some basic training, and it is sales training. That's what I did for a living. I was a salesman. I was a sales trainer. Um, it is sales training that I do, but it applies to political outreach quite a bit. It's basically, I mean, it's just persuasive speaking, right? Anytime you want to talk to somebody, you want you want somebody to uh, agree with you. You have to figure out how to do that. Um, what tactics you would use, right? You don't just dump information on people. That's one thing libertarians tend to do. We like to dump a lot of information on people. People want bite-sized stuff. They want small, pretty packages. So we're learning how to do that. And we found that when we teach people how to do that before these outreach events, they tend to do significantly better than they did before, right? So we had um, we had a lot of great events in Wilmington, and we did some outreach to uh, low-income and minority communities specifically and did really, really well. And in those communities, we found that we did, we did exceptionally well but we thought, you know, maybe it's because people don't come to these communities and talk because that's what we were told, that politicians just don't go there. Um, and so we had presidential candidates and, and we had a blast. We had a really good time. But we did that training and we did really well. And we found that those people just did not know. People in those communities just did not know that libertarianism existed. Right. And we did some college campuses and we did really well on the comp college campuses. We had a great time. Spike does especially well on a college campus. Um, but we and what we found there was that people knew that there was a libertarian party, but they didn't really know they had misinformation about us. Right. So in, in lower income and minority communities, the problem was that they had no information. And on college campuses, the problem was that they had incorrect information. They had a lot of biases toward us. Um, what we found, though, at one college campus, what was really neat is that we were able to put what we were doing up against what Republicans and Democrats were doing right there side by side. So there was a there was a, um, a, a group day. There was a, an organization day on the UNCW campus where there were uh, well over 100 different uh, campus organizations that were looking for new members. And they put us in the political section. We were right next to the Republicans, the Democrats, and Turning Point USA. And um, at the end of the day, and we, did, we only did about a half hour, 45-minute training session before this. And at the end of the day, when people were noticing that there were a lot of there were a lot of folks at our table, there weren't a lot of folks at the Democrats, Republicans, or Turning Point USA. Um, and what we found was we were doing like three and four times their numbers, right? So where they would have, I mean, they had maybe fifteen or twenty new contacts. Um, and I looked at the numbers just last week because I, I I misquoted uh, in the last interview I did, but they had like fifteen or twenty contacts, and we were up at like sixty, over sixty contacts. So where, where the Republicans, Democrats, and Turning Point USA are doing just a handful, we were, we were closing big, big numbers um, at an outreach event where there were, you know, there was over 100 different organizations competing. So we did really well, and that's the difference. It's, it's simply learning these basic techniques, basic sales and marketing techniques, just figuring out how to talk to the people you're talking to, and it really makes, it makes a difference. People want to hear what you have to say then. Sorry, I've, also, say, I've got the information for you whenever you're ready for it. The uh, the PayPal information? Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you I think AJ posted it yeah, here. A, and I, I think AJ, yeah, AJ helped you out here. I think, I AJ's think she, quick. Uh, 
she's got your uh, PayPal and your Venmo down in the comments. You want to flash those up there, uh, Chris? I sure appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I, I can flash them again. Boom, PayPal. Yeah, boom, right there, PayPal. Yep, and boom, if we once Venmo. I get my expenses covered, anything that you never fear, I'm not going to keep the donations. Anything that you contribute over that, um, we will dump on the LPTN to either do this outreach event or their next one. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, uh, Brent, that that um, uh, the a sales lifestyle is definitely good for like political outreach because you're having to sell somebody something that they don't necessarily know that they want. Um, so let me let me rephrase that. You're you're giving somebody something that they don't know that they want, but they do want it, but they don't know that they want it. That makes sense. So I used to work for a company that would sell knives. Uh, fuck it, I'll say the name. I don't give a shit. Uh, Cutco. Uh, and it to me, I worked there about three months, and it seemed like an absolute Ponzi scheme. But like all the demo stuff, I paid for myself and all that. I kept it, and it's really good shit. But the price is not worth uh, what I was trying to do. But some of the tools that they gave me then, I've seen myself use over the years, <coughs> and it, it it is a good tool to have. Whether it's uh, you know in a political organization like the LP or just selling yourself to get a new job, um, you know, cause For you sure. have to convince people why, you know, they should listen to you. And I think that is a really good, uh, background to have as far as, you know, selling a political movement, um, like, uh, libertarianism where we're having to basically break the matrix in order to bring people to Liberty. You know, people are convinced that there's only two sides, but yet we're giving them an option to, uh, run their own lives and that's that's hard for a lot of people so yeah so i definitely think that um anybody listening should definitely be willing to go to brent's event uh there on the what was it the fifth uh the event the the, yeah the, the seventh um seventh, yeah. if i'm sure aj can find the event if, if she doesn't mind but the seventh will be in murfreesboro and um doing the training event and then Early the next morning, like Dave said, we're going to be feeding the homeless. And then later that afternoon, we'll actually be doing a pound the pavement event with Spike Cohen. And you'll get to see. So if you come to the training event on Friday, please show up to do pound the pavement event the next day. The uh, goal there is that you get the information that you need on Friday. And then we put it into action on Saturday. And and Saturday is where you really learn, right? You get the basic Mm -hmm. idea on Friday, but Saturday is where it really comes into play. And uh, we'll be able to give you tips right in the moment. And like you said, it's, it helps in other areas of life. I mean, the, the communication skills that I learned as a salesman make me, you know, a better activist, a better husband, a better father, uh, helps me get jobs. I mean, for sure. I mean, you got to believe in the product you're selling, but you know, Cutco, man, that's a, <clears throat> I remember Cutco. <laughs> now, they're, they're still around somehow, but yeah, I, they still do those like, pitches in Walmart, like, right? Uh, I never heard anything about Walmart. I wasn't there that long. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, there was this like whole spiel about we're the greatest knives ever made. So basically, uh, they were basically what Snap On Tools is to mechanics uh, for like housewives who love to cook. Uh, it's overpriced, but honestly, the warranty is what really like sells a lot of that uh being somebody who didn't buy a whole lot of knives in his life i don't know somebody who bought a lot of tools in their life 
Mm, I seize it. I seize it a lot. So I, uh, yeah, it's, but yeah, the, the sales experience definitely, uh, will definitely help you in more ways than one, even this. So basically what I'm trying to say is even if, uh, you know, you want to help the LP and, you know, progress the movement, uh, this is something, this is a life skill. This isn't just a political, uh, tool alone. This is something that will help you long-term in your own personal life. And that's why I think that, you know, this is something really good that uh, a lot of people should definitely take advantage of. Yeah, absolutely. I would encourage anybody, uh, in Tennessee or in the surrounding states, even, uh, who's thinking about maybe running for office or is currently running for office or a, a regional chair, a county chair, you know, or just a general, you know, libertarian activist, you know, th- this is going to be great training to be able to take back uh, to your communities and use. And as uh, Chris said, not only use for the Libertarian Party, but can also be a great life skill that you can use in your general life or job or really anything, you know, it's a great opportunity to come out, you know, on May the 7th with a bunch of uh, crazy libertarians and uh, listen to Brent, get some training because, uh, you know, I've done a lot of uh, different training classes before, you know, created training classes and and this formula of not only because I've seen before people come out, like in the automotive industry and take like an SPC class or an MSA class, measurement systems analysis class. And they come out and they take the class and they go back to their factory and they don't use it for three months. Then all of a sudden they're, they're having to do a measurement system analysis and they're trying to figure out what the hell they learned three months ago. But one of the best solutions that I've seen for training is kind of like what we're going to do next weekend where, you know, we're going to have the training event on that Friday night. And then the, very next day we're going to go out and we're going to use those skills that we learned on that Friday night in an actual real world environment. That way what you come in to learn on Friday night is going to stick like grits, a little, you know, in, in your mind because you're actually going out there and applying what you learned in a classroom setting on that Friday night, but actually applying it in the real world. Right, and if you can't make it out to the, to the training session on Friday, that's totally cool. Please come to the Pound the Pavement anyway, mm-hmm. and we're actually going to be doing training during the Pound the Pavement event. So right before, during lunch, um, after we've you know fed some hungry folks, we're going to go feed ourselves, and we'll do a, like a really brief kind of overview of the training for those who weren't there or those who need a refresher, and then we'll go out right after and, and hopefully get just a ton of new contacts for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be great. Like I said, you know, you're going to get to hang out with a, a bunch of libertarians doing great stuff for the uh, state of Tennessee. You know, we'll have uh, Tasha Cohen's uh, spouse there. You know, it's it, you know, he he's going to be helping us out as well. You know, he he's always great to work with as well. A lot of uh, knowledge of of uh kind of salesmanship of the libertarian philosophy from his uh, bus tours. You know, I had the uh, privilege of uh, following him across the Southeast on several of his uh, stops in Atlanta, Birmingham and Savannah. 
and uh, being able to see how uh, Spike sells liberty to uh, the uh, general public. He's just a wonderful messenger. Well, probably one of the one of the better ones that, that we have right now to be able to reach out to, you know, people outside of our, our libertarian party and uh, for sure. Yeah. And taught that libertarian message in a common sense way with common sense solutions. You know, it's like Brent said earlier, you know, the people, a lot of times, you know, they, they're not going to stand around for a sermon on, on our philosophies. We've got to be able to uh, have, you know, bite-sized pieces to give them that are uh, effective uh, to be able to spread our message. And that's what I'm really excited about, about this class, because, you know, it, in order to grow this party, in order to get libertarians elected, you know, we're, we're going to have to smash our echo chambers. We're going to have to get out into the communities. We're going to have to talk to people uh, about our philosophies. And, you know, that, that's how we're going to grow this party. And I'm really excited, not only about Brent and his organization coming to Tennessee, but excited to see his uh, organization grow and uh, start helping libertarians all around the country. Because I, I think I think he's got he's onto a wonderful idea here, and I'm so excited that you know he he's got the Cell Liberty organization going, and I'm so proud for Tennessee to be one of the first states to be able to get this training and start putting it into action. And if, yeah, if you, if you like what Spike says, and I agree wholeheartedly, probably mm. the, but my, my expert opinion is that he is, uh, he is by wide margins, the best messenger we've ever had. Uh, and I know everybody loves Ron Paul. I love Ron Paul too. He's great, but that Spike is, Spike's a, he's great at what he does. And the cool thing is, if you really like what he does, come out to the training because I will show you exactly what the guy does. We've talked about it many times, and he really just implements these communication techniques, right? These basic communication techniques that really help you to get your point across and, and help you to, most importantly, a libertarian's favorite thing to do is handle objections, right? We like to debate, and this, just, this will teach you how to debate in a way that you actually walk away winning. You won't just walk away right. You'll walk away having convinced the other person is the goal. So, yeah, I uh, – <clears throat> Spike uh... – you know, I've I've had a couple run-ins with him, uh, but he uh, he's. I think the thing that really comes that so the 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 point that's really beneficial about Spike is he's not aggressive. He's not one of those people that you feel intimidated by talking to. He's smart as hell, but he's not a he's uh, he's not one of those people that's like I'm gonna throw it in your face that I'm smart. He comes off as somebody you can you want to talk to and you feel safe, you know, talking to. And he's, you know, really and honestly, he's the best salesman you can imagine. Cause he, he'll have you sold on something that you don't even know that you want. Uh he just, you know, the dude's awesome if with a lot of the stuff that he does. You know, the was it Alabama that started the Tasha Cohen spouse mm. thing? Yep. And and he took that in strides. He he's he uh <clears throat> other politicians probably would have been offended and would have been mad and thrown a fit. He just laughed it off and said, Yeah, yeah. this is a thing now apparently. So he he's uh he's and honestly he's the 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 
the friendly neighbor that you want that you know you you can talk to and i think that's what really you know helps him promote a lot of good messaging and uh he definitely you know can promote a lot of good messaging and um you know if and as far as what i've heard from brent you know he's the same way he's he's able to push um a lot of good a lot of good information and not come off as someone who's having to read a prompter or uh, force you into to an awkward position that, yeah, okay, I'll sign it, but I don't want to, you know, he's, he's like, Hey, this is good for you and do what you want to do, but this is good. And you're like, all right, I'll do it. Whatever. Yeah. It, it sounds good for me. So, you know, that's why I think, uh, yeah, this event's definitely going to be a big hit. And uh, I hope uh, hope we got enough seating for everybody. Because, like I said, I think a lot of people are going to be banging down doors to get in here. Hope so. Hope we have a big crowd. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of Tasha Cohen's spouse, have you seen uh, the promotion that uh, the Libertarian Party of California is doing for their convention? Oh yeah, you get to pick his uh, yeah, you pick get his badge, pick, right? Yeah, pick uh, what his name is on his name tag. Yeah, that that's a that's a absolutely genius idea, I believe. Oh, it's a cool fundraiser. It's a yeah, cool absolutely. Fu- he gets all the cool fundraisers. I, Spike gets like <laughs> weird, cool fundraisers. It's pretty yeah, awesome. I think I think he's doing like a karaoke on in Ohio, like Monday. I really? saw earlier. Yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're and we're actually trying we're we're actually looking at trying to cook up a, a fundraising event here in Tennessee. Of course, we want to make sure that we we take care of everything that we've got planned already: the class, the right, uh, feeding right. the homeless, the pound the pavement. But we've got a few uh, uh, fun, cool ideas kicking around uh, right now. So, also stay tuned for for that. So we might be uh, releasing something maybe in the next few days about. Uh, a fund uh, spike fundraiser that might have to do with either arcades or go karts or something like that. So nice, very cool. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he, he, he seems like he's down for whatever. That's that's the awesome thing. He, uh, he just goes with the flow, man. Yeah, yeah, that's an easy going dude. Uh, it's and it's not just for the camera. It's not like an in public thing. We're we're pals, and he's just—he's probably one of the most easygoing people I know. He's—he's he's got a natural talent for, yeah. for talking to people and and putting up with us, those of us that are difficult uh, to put up with. But yeah, yeah, it's like uh, we've been talking about you know, sell liberty and Brant, you know, and we've been talking about all the planning that goes out. I just want to kind of give some shout outs to. Some people, Chelsea Baker, you know, in the Nashville region, you know, they're they're kind of they're hosting this uh, event there in Murfreesboro. Uh, Michael and Melissa Bean out there in the Upper Cumberland region, you know, they've been essential in the planning process. Uh, the Libertarian Party of Tennessee's Whiskey region, you know, AJ Campbell and William Patton, uh, they've they've definitely had a huge hand in this. Uh, the Georgia's uh, Northwest Northwest Georgia's uh, region uh, has uh, definitely been helping us uh, helping us out. We hope to see a lot of them 
up in Murfreesboro next weekend uh, down in Alabama. I'd like to uh, recognize uh, Jonathan Reel's campaign down there. Uh, he's running a campaign in Alabama, uh, so go check out Jonathan Reels. Uh, also, Jeffrey Langenkamp, he is also uh, down there in the Dothan, Alabama area. He's also going to be uh, getting his campaign underway soon. Both of those guys uh, helping us out a lot, so we hope to see some of our North Alabama people up at the event as well. And, of course, uh, the people who brainstormed the initial idea that started with the breakfast buffet and kind of uh, molded itself into what you're seeing today, the uh, Libertarian Party Shoney's Caucus, hmm. uh, who kind of brainstormed this uh, breakfast uh, buffet idea. So it's it's wonderful seeing some of our, our funny joke caucuses kind of getting involved in the party to do good things, you know, because everyone's, you know, this, we do some really serious stuff in the Libertarian Party, and we have a really serious message, but, you know, it's nice to have fun every once in a while and, you know, really kind of, uh, and not only have fun, but do good with the, with the fun that we have. So it's good to see those funny caucuses like, like the Libertarian Party Shoney's Caucus. Maybe it can, maybe this event can spark a rivalry with the Waffle House Caucus so that, uh, maybe the Waffle House Caucus can start doing some of these fun outreach events as well to try to keep up with the Shoney's caucus. Competition's always good. Uh, well, it makes for a good economy. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, ab- yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, uh, when I first joined the, uh, the libertarian party and I was like, and I seen that there was a Waffle House caucus. I said, oh, my God, I've not been to a Waffle House in probably 10 years. So my wife and I, in the last year, we went to a Waffle House and uh, just sat down and had dinner. It was it was nice. You know, it kind of promoted that, you know, just us going to sit down and do something. But uh, I started doing some digging and I'd always heard about it. Uh, that FEMA uses Waffle House as a uh, metric for the, the, the unofficial mm-hmm. uh, oh shit scale. If yeah. a Waffle House is shut down, you definitely need to get out of town. Now, there's some digging into it. And, uh, you know, I love conspiracy theories as much as the next person. But this one, this one's pretty good. If you look, uh, Katrina... Waffle House is shut down. You know, every major natural disaster or major event, Waffle House is just shut down. And all I'm saying is, is, you know, they've got better spies than the CIA. I mean, they, <laughs> I, I think, I think they work at Google. So, I mean, they, they know what's going on. Yeah. They don't shut down for nothing, man. I'm in, I'm in Southeastern North Carolina here and, we get hurricane season every year, and it's got to be a pretty bad one for Waffle House to shut down. I mean, it's yeah. got to get – it gets sketchy. If Waffle House shuts down, we all go inland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know down here in uh, southern middle Tennessee, everyone talks about the uh, ice storm of – what was it? 96, I believe. And I can remember during that big ice storm going through uh, the town that I lived in, Tullahoma, and – 
the only thing in Tullahoma that was open was the Waffle House. Yeah, yeah, you won't see a Shoney's open during a natural disaster. That's yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they uh, Waffle. <laughs> yes, the Waffle. It's called the Waffle House Index. Yeah, if you see a Waffle House closed in your area, you better start running. I don't. I don't care if you got to push your car, run, walk, fly, and grow wings and fly. Do it, because uh, stuff's stuff's getting bad. Mm. But uh, but yeah. So uh, Brent, you want to give us a you know kind of a a little expert here from uh, or ex. Okay, so I can't say the word. Uh, a little uh, a snippet. We'll, we'll say the spark notes from uh, the event from Friday, just to give somebody uh, some some teaser going on. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, there's a if you know much about sales, uh, a lot of people know about the seven steps of sales, or or maybe just a lot of salespeople know about the seven steps of sales. Um, one of the things that I'll be doing is I'll, I'll teach. There's a shorter five step process. Uh, that libertarians can use that, that people in politics, it, it's a little easier um, to use this, this process. So we'll, uh, we'll be going over that, that process. We'll talk about how sales is applicable to politics um, when it's morally okay to use sales in politics and when it's not and what type of sales. So Spike Cohen talks about um, ethical sales, which we'll be, we'll be talking about in the meeting, but yeah, uh, little snippet. Let's see. Um, Okay, so probably the, the best thing for libertarians to learn, the thing that is most important for you to learn, um, the, the communication technique that I would teach right away is feel, felt, found, right? And it's decades and decades old. Um, it's part of the learning or part of the sales process. And it's part of the sales process that deals with overcoming objections, right? So once you've made your presentation and you're interested in, um, in closing or your customer seems like they might be interested in closing or you, you don't have much presentation left, you're going to start dealing with objections. And all the way along the presentation, you'll probably deal with objections, right? So somebody might say to you, uh, let's see, I was going to go cut COBA. Let's use libertarianism, right? So uh, libertarians don't like roads, right? I, I would vote libertarian, but libertarians hate the roads. And um, a lot of libertarians in that instance are going to either go into a very long monologue about why that's wrong and why we don't hate the roads, or they're going to call you awful. We do that right on the internet. We argue and we get frustrated and we, um, and maybe you'll be told you're an idiot, but uh, the way to win that is to just, you want to acknowledge a person's concern, right? <clears throat> you want to acknowledge, you want to validate, and then you want to overcome. That's the goal. So feel felt found. I understand that you feel libertarians uh, don't appreciate the roads. Uh, other people have felt the same way. What we have found is that there were roads before government, right? And, you, and then you make your case. You, you, you make, you, then you debate, right? You de there's special ways to debate. You debate really politely and nicely and use people's names. And you don't use aggressive language. You don't use um, argumentative language. But you present... You present the uh, the rebuttal in a very nice way only after you have understood how they feel, right? You tell them, I understand how you feel. Uh, lots of people have felt the same way, right? So we're acknowledging their concern. We're validating their concern. And then what we have found, and that's basically just your rebuttal, right? So libertarians don't like roads. That's an easy one to rebut. Um, libertarians are selfish, 
right? I understand you feel that way. I actually felt the same way. I thought libertarians were selfish too. What I found though was that libertarians just want to remove government from charity. Instead of government uh, government mandated charity, we want to take out the middleman and save that extra money for the people that actually need it. So libertarians are very philanthropic and we have a tendency to go out into our community and do good things and like you know, in Murfreesboro, we will tell them if they if they tell us, you know, well, libertarians are selfish. We can say, I understand you feel that way. I felt the same way. What we found was that a hell of a lot of libertarians were willing to show up and feed homeless people this morning. Right. So you're just acknowledging, validating and overcoming the concern. And that's probably the most useful thing I will ever teach anybody. I have taught all of my children to have debates that way. My wife. Um, argues with other people that way, not me, uh, but she argues with everybody else that way. And it's a way to really get your point across and, and present a rebuttal in a way that's not going to make somebody not want to hear it. Because if you, if you tell somebody they're wrong, they immediately get defensive. Most of us, right? Some of us don't. But when you say that someone is wrong, they immediately want to counter you. They, they want to debate or they get really standoffish. They, they shut down, right? There's a barrier there. But if you tell them that you understand how they feel and that other people felt the same way and then you explain to them why they're not necessarily right, it's a lot easier to take. It's, it's a lot more palatable. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's yeah. probably you've, you've, you've squeezed it out of me. That's probably the most useful thing that anybody really it's one of the most useful things anybody could ever learn because, you know, it's a great way to deal with people that don't necessarily agree with you. I would say that uh, <clears throat> that is really a good tip because a lot of people want to feel, especially because uh, you brought it up, it, it does. So when you're talking about like, you know, Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, whatever, whatever social media platform, people want to feel right. They want to feel empowered by their opinion. They want to feel like their political position is the morally correct one. Um, no hardly anybody's willing to say, oh, I'm wrong on, you know, what I think uh, because they, they feel inferior and nobody wants to feel that way. And saying, hey, you know, why do you feel like that? And, you know, yeah, maybe you're right or, you know, whatever. But bringing up this idea that, you know, break it to them, breaking it to them uh, in a soft, meaningful way is a lot more effective than saying, hey, you're you're an idiot and you're dumb and this, that call uh, throwing out all the names, all the slanders, all the whatever uh, is not effective because then they'll just dig that trench in and they'll, they'll, uh, they'll entrench themselves in their position. Right. Even if they do think it's wrong. Uh, right. It's impossible. Our in. ego doesn't mm-hmm. let us admit that we've made a mistake. Right. It's, and humans have mm-hmm. huge egos, but yeah, that's yeah. absolutely it is that even if they think you're right, they're not going to admit it. It's it's most people won't. Even with feel felt found, a lot of people won't. Right? They'll have to go home. But what you've done is you've allowed them to go home and think about it and come back and say, "Hey, I was wrong," and not look like an ass. Right? But when you say, "Hey, you're an idiot," if they if they agree with you, then well, they've agreed that they're an idiot. But if you say, "Hey, I completely understand how you feel," here's something different. Now they've got the ability to change their mind without uh, uh, taking a hit to their ego. Right. And it's that's yeah, hugely helpful. So one thing I used to always say, and I was actually wrong about this. I used to always say, don't attack people, attack their ideas. 
But the problem is, is people identify with their ideas. Their, their ideas right. is what makes them. Uh, and I was, I was speaking to two guys who I differ with on a lot of, uh, politics. Um, and I think they've got some good ideas and they've got some bad ideas. It, it, it's hit and miss, but, uh, you know, I'll tell them, I'll say, look, you know, I don't agree with you. That's fine. I said, I've got my opinion. You got your opinion. I said, you know, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong as long as you don't sit there and call me whatever for saying that I'm wrong. I said, so we can have our differences of opinion. I said, some people like Chevy, some people like Ford, some people like Dodge. I said, they're all three wrong. Uh, but, you know, I said, but uh, it, it really comes down to the, the idea that <clears throat> acknowledging someone's standpoint is far more beneficial than just blasting someone and just destroying their ideas. And uh, I think, uh, you know, you see a lot of uh, mainstream political figures who aren't in politics. Like, you know, you see the Young Turks or Ben Shapiro or this person, that person, whatever. Uh, They'll have a lot of these videos of them destroying somebody, but they're not winning over somebody. Like, yeah, okay. It's entertaining. It's entertaining. It's fun to watch, right? And it's fun to do. So I'm smart, right? You guys are smart. <laughs> we're libertarians have studied the issues, and we're we're we, we're very studious. Not everybody's so studious, and it, it, you, we can either be smart and right and and scream about it in the middle of the room, right? And then we run everybody else out. Everybody leaves the damn room. You stand in the middle of the room and you scream about how right you are and how smart you are, and everybody else leaves. Or you can have a conversation where maybe you have to ease up a little bit and it, it takes away from your, your pride a little and you don't get to have that moment of superiority. That, you got to recognize what that moment of superiority costs you. You know, you've, you've not just – think of it in terms of farming, right? So you go – a farmer goes out and he plants a seed and he waters it and he makes sure it gets sunshine and he makes sure there's, you know, plenty of fertilizer and, and he, he carefully does the work to watch that seed grow into, you know, a, a corn stalk. But what, uh, I mean, a bad farmer would go out and plant the seed. And if the seed doesn't grow right away, he rips that out of the ground, right? That's what libertarians, that's what people in politics have a tendency to do in general, is we go and we rip the seed out because it didn't sprout up exactly the way we want it at exactly the moment we want it. Um, but if we stop and we're not confrontational about it, maybe the seed grows tomorrow, right? Maybe it sprouts tomorrow or the next day, or maybe some other farmer comes along and he's got the right tricks and, and he's able to, to make that seed grow. But if you, if you stand on, I'm right, you're wrong. And I'm going to make you realize how stupid you look. If you do that kind of stuff, you're not, you're not convincing anybody, you know, and it, it, it hurts the movement. It's, it's a thing that it's super empowering and it feels good in the moment for some weird reason. Cause human beings are awful to each other, but, it hurts the movement. It hurts our ability to do outreach and it makes people, that's why we have a bad name. That's one of the reasons that we have such a bad name. When you tell somebody about libertarians, if they've had any interaction with libertarians, it's either, uh, it's either all those falsehoods, right? That, that we're selfish and that we're, um, we don't want people to have things like roads and healthcare, or 
It's that we're assholes and we argue. Pardon my language. Sorry, I don't. I don't know what kind of show we're on here, but uh, <laughs> it's it's because we're on, jerks. Brent, this is this is a family drinking show, man. Right? Yeah. 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 Family right. drinking. <laughs> well, uh, but yeah, we're, I mean, it's it. If you treat people the right way, they'll be willing to hear what you have to say, or they'll think about it when they go home. If you treat people the wrong way, if you if you act like you're superior, I mean, it might feel good in the moment, but it's. It doesn't do anything for the movement. So if you're, it, it, it's the difference between a philosophy club, right, a, a, a debate club, and a political movement. And a lot of folks, I think, treat this like a debate club, and they've got that loser mentality that we're we're just not, we can't win. And since we can't win, I might as well tell everybody how they're idiots. We can win. We definitely can. There are lots of winnable races around the country, and even races that aren't necessarily winnable in terms of taking office. We can win in those races by getting our ideas out, but you got to do it in a way that makes people want to listen. And you don't have to, there's this weird false dichotomy where we think we have to either choose terrible, milk toast, uninspired, unprincipled, watered down messaging, right? We, we want to run a, a Bill Weld and, and, uh, or a, a bar or whoever that's going to water down the libertarian message. Or we have to present this really abrasive, shock jock, mean, poorly worded uh, message. And those two things are not the only options. I've, I win communists on a regular basis, right? I went over, I went over hardcore anarcho-communists on a regular basis. I've got Dan Tunabar. Um, Dan, I hope you don't mind me using your name, but longtime friend of mine. And uh, you can look him up on my Facebook page. He's uh, he was a communist. He was, I God, I hope you don't mind me saying this because I'm saying it live now, but, uh, <laughs> He was, he was a communist. He was a pretty hardcore communist. He's still probably, um, he would consider himself a Democrat. He's, he doesn't vote libertarian, but he agrees with a lot of our ideas. And he's come around on a lot of things because of the way we talk to each other. But you use these tools and you can present a radically principled libertarian message. I mean, you can present all the things that pragmatists will tell you not to say. And I've got no problem with the prags, but that when we talk about pragmatic messaging, um, all the things that those people will tell you not to say, you can say those things. You can, and you can win people all day with that message. You just have to know a few tips and tricks to present that message. So my opener is often taxation is theft. They're like, oh, don't say tax. Yeah, it's a great opener. It's a great conversation starter with the right person. If I can look at you and tell that you're the guy that I can say that to, I'll definitely say taxation is theft. We talk about legalizing all drugs. People don't want don't talk about that. The world's not ready for it. The world is absolutely ready for it. It just need you have to present it in a way that they can they can digest, you know, that they can really appreciate. So I frequently lead, particularly in low income communities, I lead with legalizing drugs because it's it's over prosecuted. It's it's over regulated and it it's a burden on the people and it's treating a healthcare crisis like a like a a crime crisis, right? Like a like a so when you approach it that way, when you approach it the right way and you use the right wording, you can present those ideas that would otherwise shock people and turn them off. You can present those very radical libertarian ideas in a way that people go, oh, like my conservative Southern Baptist father loves libertarian ideas. He's, he's a hardcore conservative. And he's like, you know what? You're right. And I, I can put those things in, in terms of, the, of you know, his religion. I can put it in terms of our, our conservative Southern culture. and I can present those ideas like gay people should be allowed to get married and, and 
what is it, the, and protect their pot fields with fully automatic machine guns. I can present all of those ideas to him, and he gets it right away and, and, and appreciates it because of the way we present it. Sorry, I went off on a crazy tangent there. I can't even remember what we were yeah. talking about. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild a lot of times if you just sit back a lot of times and listen to people's conversations. Sometimes like this morning, uh, I live out in the sticks in southern middle Tennessee, and, uh, you know, and there's a little uh, little convenience store down the road. Uh, there's big lakes. People stop in there, get their bait and stuff, so they're headed out to go fish. And uh, I'd stopped in this morning, and the guy in front of me was talking to the uh, – the cashier about menthol cigarettes and uh, they were talking about, you know, going back and forth on what their opinions were on that. And the, and the guy in front of me, he was standing there with a little tub of night crawlers. And he says, you know what? I don't give a damn what anybody does with their body. I just think the government ought to be out of people's lives. If you want to shoot heroin, shoot heroin. They paid for his night crawlers and walked, started to walk out. So I was like, that's a guy I need to talk to. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, people walk around with these ideas in their heads all the time, you know, that they're able to accept, you know, it's just so wild came out of left field to me. I was like, Oh wow. That guy might be a libertarian. I got to talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <clears throat> I will say that there are some people that selling government reduction is hard to, Mm. Uh, so I've, so I've got two guys, uh, I, I spoke on earlier about in this, this podcast, but, um, they are, I'll, I'll call them Bernie bros. They're soft core Bernie bros. They're not full on like, you know, the state taking over the means of production of everything, yeah. but they're like, we need something to help protect people. And you know, basically like unionizing everything and this and that, whatever. Yeah, so so they're Bernie bras instead of Bernie bros. <laughs> I'm still on that. I'm, I'm taxing that. Uh, but no, so I, I was speaking in the other day at work and uh, and, you know, I let them I let them vent to me. You know, one guy, he one guy is religious. The other one is not. He went off about how he thinks all religions are bullshit and this and that. And he just went off the deep. And I let him, I let him say what he wanted to. I said, that's fine. I said, you, you can say what you want to. That's fine. I don't, I don't agree with you, but I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I said, you, I'm, I'm going to let you just say what you want to say. And that's pretty, not verbatim, but that's pretty much what I told him. And then, you know, we talked about some other issues one of which was firearms. And he said, oh, no, we need to have stricter gun laws and this and that. I said, okay, well, why? He said, well, you don't you don't need a, you know, uh, an M4 rifle or an M16 that can, you know, dump a 30-round mag with one trigger pull, this, that, and the other thing. And I said, okay. I said, so how do you feel about cops? And he said, well, he said, I think it's, you know, the entire United States is systemically racist. I think, you know, he said, uh, I think the cops, the government, all of us racist. I said, okay, so 
why would you not want black communities to be able to police themselves? I said, if you want them to legitimately, you know, if you think the entire system is racist against them, why wouldn't you want them to have the same artillery that, you know, the cops, the federal government, the state government have? He said, well, I don't think anybody should have that. I said, okay. Uh, Find me one politician that is for disarming the federal government. Find me one. You're not going to find them. Nobody who's like legitimate anyways. I said, uh, well, outside of the Libertarian Party, I said, you know, you're not going to find a Democrat or a Republican who's for saying, hey, we should probably take ARs away from cops and, you know, the federal government and ATF, FBI, CIA, all that shit. They're they're pushing the same agenda from two different parts of the field and they're enclosing in on the rest of us. And he said, well, that might be true. I said, maybe I said, uh, I said, you can call out bad cops, but also acknowledge that maybe, you know, minority communities should be able to police themselves. I said, it's happened before. I said, why can't it happen now? I said, it's, it's not a, a new idea. I said in the 1800s, there were black communities that ran themselves, protected themselves, and governed themselves. I said, so you're telling me now that black communities aren't responsible uh, <clears throat> responsible enough to uh, be armed and defend themselves from the state who you say specifically is racist against them? Uh, uh, yeah. that, that was basically my argument, Brent. Uh, correct me if I'm kind of off on some something, but yeah. So it's kind of looking to get your feedback on that. No. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. Some, when you point out, be careful with cognitive dissonance, right? Because it freaks people out. It freaks people out when they recognize that they're holding two very opposing viewpoints. So you want to make sure that when you, if you are going to point out someone's cognitive dissonance, you want to do it in a really supportive. And I know this sounds super touchy feely, weird to hear a redneck say stuff well that's communication techniques right um but you you want to do it in a way that's really supportive and you kind of guide the conversation so that they get there on their own for the most part right is so that they recognize oh shit i just thought two things that are totally opposed to each other i better figure out which one is right um but what you did what you did was you went uh to an issue that you thought you, you heard the guy doesn't like guns so Probably what you were thinking was, where else does he, um, what, uh, what other uh, uh, concerns does he have or interests does he have? What's he going to be passionate about? And you know if he's anti-gun, that, that likely means that he leans to the left, right? And you went after a left issue. So you immediately went to that left issue, and that's a great idea. Uh, what I do when I'm talking about firearms and, and, um, and firearm legislation is uh, if we're Talking to somebody on the right, that's a pretty easy one, right? For the most part, it's pretty easy. It's going to get less and less easy as conservatives want to be, uh, they want more gun control. But for right now, most conservatives, not politicians, but most conservatives that I know are very pro-Second Amendment. Um, when you're dealing with the left on that issue, what you want to do is link it to other issues that they care about, which is exactly what you did, right? You, come, you approach it from their perspective. So you went to, what about minority communities? And what you can do is gun control is uh, and, and it's helpful when you're talking to folks that lean left. But gun control is 
sexist, racist, and classist, um, factually, right? And and it's racist because it sprang out of uh, look up when gun control um, when gun laws came about. It sprang out of Jim Crow laws, right? So basically, it was like, all right, black people are free and they have the same rights as us, and oh shit, they got guns now. So they wanted to do something. To, they wanted to do something to get rid of it. I am full of foul language tonight. Sorry. Uh, they wanted to do something to get. They wanted to do some. They wanted to do something to stop that. And um, it's the same way that um, that occupational licensing came about too. But we'll we'll go back to the guns. So immediately link that to you know gun control is racist and here's why. Gun control is sexist and here's why. Right. So my it, it, I'm a big guy. I'm a big six foot. 300 pound, well, 280 pound, <laughs> big guy. And my wife is a, a small um, lady and she's not allowed to have a firearm. My wife uh, can't own a firearm. We don't own guns, uh, but she should be allowed to. Um, she should be allowed to because she needs to be able to level the playing field with the other people out there, right? She needs to be able to protect herself and my children if I'm not around. And so gun control is inherently racist because if you make it harder for black people to get uh, firearms in a system that you know is racist or that you believe is racist and you make it harder for them to police themselves and harder for them to protect themselves because we know that the response rate is lower or slower in, in those areas, um, it's, it's racism, right? Uh, you can point out that it's sexist because it, it women should be able to defend themselves against men who are bigger, stronger more capable of harm and it's sexist not to allow that and it's classist because when you do that when you uh create these gun control laws that most of them are going to be based on money it's not that you can't own a gun it's that you have to have this license or this insurance or whatever and they make it so expensive to own a gun that people can't afford to well now it's classist now what you're saying is rich people who likely don't need to defend themselves nearly as often because they live in gated communities and and they've got higher end homes and they've got security systems those people can own guns but the people that need to defend themselves because they don't have security systems they don't have good police response times they maybe live in a community that's uh you know got got some issues because it's low income now what you've done is you've taken the hands out of you've taken the guns out of only the hands of people that need it that's what gun control does it's not controlling criminals. It's not controlling bad people because bad people don't care what the rules are, right? What it controls is good people. And it it's not prohibitive for rich people, it, good rich people. It's only prohibitive to, to poor good people. Um, so that's what I would do. That's where I would go with that conversation. I would do it really tactfully. I would say, you know, I understand that. And I, I don't say the words feel felt found when I use feel felt found, but I would say something to the effect of, you know, I understand how you feel and I want to reduce gun crime too. And you want to agree with them, right? We agree. We, we don't disagree. We all want Dave. That cat's killing me, man. Hey, if you're going to play with your pussy, get off screen, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to, you want to go to where they are, right? You want to talk from their issues and from their concerns and their passions. And so you point out like, Look, I agree. Gun guns are dangerous, and they should be handled with care. And I want to reduce gun crime too. I want people to be safer. And here are the reasons why guns make people safer. And here are the reasons why keeping people away from uh, the ability or, or, or refusing to let let people have the ability to protect themselves. Here's why it's racist, sexist, classist. And when you approach it like that, you're not going to get people aren't going to 
with gun control, they're not going to change right that minute. They're not going to flip on the issue. But what you can do is you walk away from that argument, right? You're that, that conversation because we're not arguing, we're having conversations, right? But you walk away from that conversation and let that sink in and talk to them about other issues and find other common ground. And once those people realize that you've got common ground and that you don't disagree with them, you don't want to get rid of healthcare. You, you, don't want to, you don't want poor people starving in the streets. You don't want people dying of, of preventable diseases. You don't want people to have less. You want them to have more. When they recognize that, they're going to be a lot more interested in what you have to say about gun control or about taxation or about legalizing drugs. But yeah, I think so, you did great. Sounds like you did a great job. Yeah, so I do want to address two things. So, like, uh, the poverty uh, – I believe more in class warfare than I do like racial inequality. I think everybody has the same opportunities unless you're rich, then you've got better opportunities. That's, that's my standpoint on a lot of stuff. I've, I've met people of other races who believe the same thing. That's just kind of where I fall on the spectrum of things, but I do attack, you know, the idea like, Hey, you know, most like 95% of gun legislation is about money. It's not about whether or not you can have it. It's about whether you can afford it. Uh, you can still buy a, you know, a machine gun. What if only if you have the money? Uh, you can buy this if you have the money. You can do this if you have the money, uh, and that really resonates with a lot of people. Um, you know, I've I have personally found myself in a lot of situations where I'm fighting conservatives on one hand and the left on the or Democrats on the other as far as gun legislation. And I, I can't believe I'm in this position. I can't believe I'm having to tell people Ronald Reagan started all gun laws in California, that California used to be a very pro gun state. And then they started being anti-gun after the black Panthers stormed the state Capitol while Ronald Reagan was governor. Yep. Uh, and, and then they're like, yep. Oh, well, well, we're going to justify this. It's like, no, you can't go fuck yourself. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's gun well, laws. You, you want to avoid that. You want <laughs> you want to no, avoid the the go yeah. fuck yourself, right? You want to you want to end it on. All right, well, let's agree to disagree. Walk away from it, or maybe try to find another issue to talk about. Very seldom have I said go fuck yourself, and then somebody was like, oh, "I want to buy your product." That's a great idea. Like I sold a lot of frozen meat, and and not once was I was like, "You're a cuck," and then they were like, "Ah, oh, here's my money." Right? It doesn't work that way. Hey, take the so, take the salami yeah, and liberty chapter time. seven. Go fuck yourself. Hey, uh, bootleg region. We're gonna we're gonna introduce that into our bylaws. Uh, uh, the the go fuck yourself clause. Uh, if you say anything about guns, but no, yeah. So so I I I don't think I've ever told anybody to go fuck themselves over, over politics. But in my head, it, it's really like, oh yeah, mm, go fuck yourself. But so oh, many I'll times as a that. salesman, I've thought, "Oh, go fuck yourself." <laughs> like yeah. many times as a salesman, I've thought, "Wow, you're awful," but I'm still going to sell you this product. Yeah. So the argument I always break down. So con- to conservatives, on one hand, I use the Constitution because they love that shit. Democrats, on the other hand, I use the moral object or the moral argument. Uh, you know, is it moral to tell you know if you be- if you honestly believe the entire system is rigged against black people? or minority, uh, minority groups that the entire system is designed to keep them poor and, you know, oppressed. Is it immoral to say that they can't have guns on the conservative side? I'll say, Hey, uh, 
the Constitution says shall not be infringed. How do you how do you explain that? I said, you know, people say bad stuff all the time. You know, that entice people to do things. I said, so how do you how do you explain to me? Uh, really, that's that's kind of my entire objective is to have them explain it to me. And if they can't, I think that really does more damage to their point of view than anything I could say is if they can't explain a question I have for them. Like I'll say, right. uh, like, so it, explain to me why gun laws are good. And they'll say, oh, well, felons shouldn't have guns. Okay, maybe. But do you explain? do you agree with every law that can make you a felon? Do you think that somebody who got caught with an ounce of weed should never have a gun again, even though that they were providing a service under free market capitalism or what's supposed to be free market capitalism? uh, You know, they were just offering a service. Well, now they can't own guns. Do you think that is an infringement or not? And then I had them in a lot of ways, I kind of forced them into the art, like force them to explain it to me. Like, and if they can't, I think that really does more damage psychologically than uh, anything I could say. Because I suck ass at explaining shit to people. I really do. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I think I think they can do more damage to themselves than I can to them. Well, yeah, definitely making people think about what their position really is is that's a great start. If you don't feel like you've got the ability to to convince them of your position, just making them second guess their own position, make them make them really think through their position and. A lot of times people will poke holes in their own argument, you know? So, yeah, it can be really helpful. It, it, we, we have to just – the biggest thing is to learn how to have those conversations with, with people without being confrontational. And if you can do that, you can make a lot of headway. And really, with most of this stuff, with local candidates, you don't need to talk about guns. For what? Why are you talking about – it doesn't matter. It's not a local issue, right? And, and that's where things are most winnable for us is local issues. You want your property taxes to go down? You want property taxes to go down? Vote Libertarian, right? You want more freedom? You want to be able to, to park here locally? You want to park at the beach without parking meters? Vote Libertarian, right? You want, um, you want better school choice? Vote Libertarian. So hit them with local issues, really easy, winnable local issues. And once you've convinced somebody that we can run things on a very local level, then they're much more interested in what we have to say about, you know, our next presidential uh, nominee, hopefully my good friend Spike Cohen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, you, you have to do it in a non-confrontational way. Otherwise you're, you're doing more harm than good. Yeah. It, it definitely comes down to making them feel like they're right, even when they're wrong and uh, <clears throat> letting them take their own path to Liberty. Uh, you know, yeah, you're just guiding of, them, right? Yeah, and you're guiding them. You, <clears throat> damn, these sciences. Uh, you're guiding them without them knowing you're guiding them. You're kind of like leaving these little breadcrumbs through the forest for Hansel and Gretel, and uh, they they find uh, they find freedom. Uh, maybe, maybe not. But uh, you know, you can only do so much. But uh, uh, Brent, Dave, I appreciate y'all coming on tonight. Uh, Brent, yep. uh, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I definitely think that this uh, this event will be a huge hit. Uh, you definitely have a lot of knowledge and a lot of uh, experience on you know selling liberty and making sure that people understand you know how to you know how to sell it and how to you know get these ideas out there without you know kind of forcing it on people. And that's that's really the the whole kind of point of all this. So, 
gentlemen, I appreciate y'all coming on. And uh, is there anything else y'all want to plug or? No, I appreciate it. Definitely come out to the event on Friday if you can. Um, If you can't, come out Saturday. And if you can't make it and you just want to support us, it's uh, Venmo at Cell Liberty. And um, on PayPal, I believe it's uh, at BrentD84. Um, Pretty sure. Look at her go. Uh, Yeah, she's (laughs) – AJ's got it down. I really appreciate everybody in Tennessee helping out with this project, man. That's It's awesome. Thanks for inviting me out, Dave, and and – uh, you guys letting me participate in what you're doing. I'm I super appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you uh, coming out to Tennessee, Chris. I uh, really appreciate you having us on tonight, help uh, promote this. And, sure. Uh, keep doing a great job. What you're doing out there in the uh, bootleg region. <laughs> Is that a real region name? Is that a, have you guys well, voted on that yet? We're we're working on it. We got a we got a lot of other uh lot we got more pressing issues right now. But yeah, we've uh we've talked about it. Uh, we hope next couple of years maybe. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, thanks for they're, having they're us. They're trying though. to have as cool of a name as our whiskey region. <laughs> Tennessee's weird. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Ours are just numbered. We're like region one, region two. Yeah. I think we got like seven or eight regions. <clears throat> You guys are weird as hell. Whiskey region. That's great. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> I was, sorry. I didn't mean to get you I mean, all excited. He's not wrong. Yeah. But, yeah, y'all uh, are super weird. It's great. I mean, it works. I mean, Appalachian region was where a lot of bootleggers would run alcohol. So, I mean, it only makes sense in my opinion. But, yeah. I come from a long line of bootleggers, man. I ain't hating mm-hmm. them. Exactly. <laughs> well, well, gentlemen, I appreciate y'all, and y'all have a good night. Thanks. You too. All right. This is why. <laughs>